Welcome back, guys, to The Passive Hang. This is episode 14. And today I've got Will Grant, who runs the Get A Movement facility in Wollongong. Now, I love this name of the facility, Ghetto, Ghetto Movement. It's a little bit different. And when I go on their website, they talk about this philosophy, fun, freedom, and focus. That's a little different to what I normally see on the gym walls, which is normally around, you know, no pain, no gain, challenge, overcome, that sort of thing. But I can see that Will is really running something different here. It's almost like an extension of his own personality. And fun, freedom of focus, I think, really helps sum up what he's about. I get the immediate sense once I start talking to him that this is somebody who is really who is really enjoying himself with what he's doing. You know, this is really a passion of his that he's grown and now he's sharing it with others. We cover a lot in this chat, hearing back from Will's backstory, how he came to start Ghetto Movement, what was his inspiration and motivation behind that. And also a lot about building relationships, especially in particular, with informal learning. And I think this is really important because a lot of us out there are probably doing the same. There's no official movement universities or educational courses that we can take, right? So we have to rely on people and people that we connect with and trust. And I think Will has deeply thought about this a lot in terms of how he approaches his own learning process or who he goes to to learn from and it was great to cover off that side with him today now i have to apologize a little bit at the start it was a little bit patchy try to edit that out but it's a little bit broken in some parts you just have to bear with me but it was amazing getting will on the conversation flowed really easily hope you guys can feel that energy I'll leave it at that. I'll put the episode on now. This is episode 14 of The Passive Hang. My name's Fayon, and here we go. Thanks for having me on too. I'm excited to have a bit of a chat and and dig deep on some stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, Usually how I like to kick things off is just hand it over to you and maybe just give um, us a brief background as to who you are, what you're about, uh, you know, your sort of involvement in the movement side of things. Yeah, cool. I, um, so my name is Will Grant. Um, I live in Wollongong currently. I was an electrician by trade, um, played a lot of team sports, all those kinds of things for my entire life. Uh, then I started dislocating uh, my right shoulder. I think it was like 17 times in total. I've had two reconstructions on it um, and I ruptured my left pec. And after that sort of string of injuries, I just changed up a lot of what I was doing. I started doing a lot of yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was noticing that doing a lot of yoga my strength was increasing in the gym and I was running faster and I wasn't getting injured. And I was like, oh, there might be something to this. And, um, and yeah, so to get our movement started as, um, as a yoga um, thing, first and foremost, I was teaching a lot of yoga out of a surf club um, locally down here. And, um, and then, yeah, we sort of progressed along as my practice started to steer more towards handstands and um, the sort of movement style of training, I sort of stepped a bit away from yoga and, and started specializing in, in more of the mobility and movement and gymnastics side of things. So it's, um, it's been a pretty cool ride and um, to sort of look back and think about the transition from spot to spot has been, um, has been pretty cool too. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all happened pretty organically. We, um, we started teaching out of uh a friend of mine's gym and uh, I was teaching yoga out of a surf club and then 
progressively as we've gotten um, more clientele, we've upgraded that facility. Then we move into another gym in town. Um, so yeah, it's 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 cool to uh, to walk through the stepstones of, of rides so far, and I'm sure uh, once we get through it and the rest of it, it's um, it's going to be wild. Awesome, Will. Um, so yeah, so I. I gathered from the from the start, like I guess injury played a really big role. I guess in in your switch, right? Like you mentioned that you dislocated your shoulder like <laughs> more than more than a few times. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you know what what was the cause of that um, at the start, and was that sort of the impetus for you to start um, searching for you know more answers? Well, yeah, definitely. I. I mean, I've always been pretty active and I've I always had planned on being quite active, um, you know, ongoing with my life. No matter how old I got, I didn't want to be someone that, um, you know, got old, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I, I, the thing with my shoulder was after I dislocated it once um, and it was only a, a little sublux and it went back in pretty quickly after, but after it happened once, I wasn't very diligent with understanding how, the shoulder girdle itself works mm. and um it's now that i understand that like i've had two two reconstructions on that side and you know i'm back to doing one arm handstands and you know hanging on one arm and scat pulling on one arm and all these kinds of things that mm. you know before seemed like a bit of a, a distant dream mm. and yeah I, I just wasn't happy with how it was all going so one i wanted to understand better how to stabilize the joints i started doing a lot of work on that and then once I did state, like, understand the stabilization process, putting that into practice and developing strength and, and stability in that space that had been so unstable for so long. So, mm. yeah, it was, um, it was a bit of a trigger to, to make a bit of a change in my own self. And um, one of those things that sort of comes with, you know, doing what I do and I think why I do it is you want to share that then with other people that are, that are experiencing the same thing. So I started... Um, you know, putting stuff up and showing people that you didn't have to be stuck in a certain range for X amount of time mm. um, when going through life and, and struggling with injury. So, yeah, were you always um, sharing that side from the very beginning as well, or was that you know when you started getting deeper into the yoga practice as well that you started teaching? Yeah, well, it's it's funny because I was putting up a lot of um, stuff on Instagram, and you know, at that stage, it was purely for my own ego and, you know, trying to get followers and that kind of thing, like putting up little yoga flows. And um, I wasn't teaching or anything at this stage, but I was getting good at the strength side of things. So I was mm. constantly posting arm balances and those things that look quite flashy for the gram. And uh, one of my friend's mums who worked at a yoga studio in town was like, oh, you should come teach a class for us. And I was like, sure thing. I'll come and teach a class. And um, the first class didn't go great, but that's kind of how it was all um, born. Like it was literally from that um, discovery of, oh yeah, my body can do this and I can control certain things to, I want to show that off and, and put it all over the social media to, oh wow, I can share this journey and, um, you know, make a difference in some people's lives by sort of sharing the stuff that's worked and letting them know what didn't. So you can try and avoid that and make that, um, make those gains a little quicker. Mm. Yeah, I guess because you came from such like a, a vulnerable place as well, right? Like with, um, you mentioned like you're doing like all these like one arm handstands, that sort of thing. But then that 
that starting place where, where you came from was almost like, you know, your, your shoulder was almost useless, right? Like when it's at that broken yeah. state, um, you kind of lose faith, um, faith in that. So that's, yeah, it's really quite amazing that, that journey piece, um, with, um, who was I going to ask that? I guess with your entry into yoga, you know, like uh, how did you sort of decide that, Hey, this was going to be the one that you're going to start engaging in, finding out a bit more because, um, you know, sometimes when you start looking outside and at other modalities, there's a little bit of resistance, you know, you're like, Oh, is this really going to be the thing? Or, you know, is this going to work for me? How did you sort of settle on, on this? Uh, it's pretty funny as well. I, um, there was a girl that I was sort of dating at the time and she was huge on yoga. Mm. She's like, just, just try it. You'll like it. And I, um, I started going to, uh, impress her a little bit more. And then the more I got into it, the more I was like, wow, this is really fun. Um, and I mean, yoga, yoga was just one of those things that I think in my early twenties, it was a, it was a buzz thing where it was like, oh, if you doing this then you're a better person than the people that don't do yoga like you're more well thought out about how you're practicing mm. which is obviously not the case like anyone with a physical practice is you know spending a bit of time on mindfulness whilst they're doing it but mm. i don't know there was always that facade about yoga that it was more special and meant that you were in some way shape or form like a bit better at you know managing yourself because you practice the craft <laughs> that is yoga um, so there was a lot of, there was a lot of bright lights around it then for me, which drew me in, yeah. um, you know, and not taking anything away from yoga. It is a great practice, um, when mm. practiced, uh, you know, for, for the right person at the right time. Um, but you know, my practice has been away from that now. And it's, um, it's something that we still offer at the gym because I do believe it holds great value for people. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not something I, I practice too much of anymore. Um, unless I'm having a bit of a play with my wife or, or son yeah it's a bit funny i have to laugh about that um that, that feeling that you get right of just going like oh i'm doing this thing so i'm a little bit better or i i know a little bit more than <laughs> other people right it, that's a bit of a, a trap i think sometimes like sometimes i pull, my, pull myself back as well when i learn about these things you know from movement culture or, or wherever right um and then i look around to other people and try and catch myself when i go oh like that the methods that I know are better than others because, but really like, I, I don't really know. Like I just think that maybe, or it makes me feel in that certain way, but it, it could be all the same as well. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, there's so many overlapping um, ideologies and methods and all these different things that are around now. Like at the end of the day, no one that I'm learning off invented anything. And you know, the person that invented it, they probably didn't even learn it off. So it's, you know, it's a lot of secondhand information um, from a lot of different people. And I think the biggest thing I've found in this industry is that what works for me won't necessarily work for you and vice versa. And that, you know, everyone has to have something that's uniquely their own um, with that practice, regardless of whether it's yoga, movement, you know, even jujitsu or anything like that. Like they're all practices that the body is just moving and creating and exploring space. Mm. Yeah, I really like that. Um that one about yeah it's sort of like the it goes back to the context of the individual as well right and then just trying to find something that might fit fit for them yeah exactly right and you know we you and i could go to a, a workshop with an expert of whatever um craft 
and we can hear him uh, watch him demonstrate and then listen to how he cues and we can take two different things out of it straight away. Mm. It's, um, and I think that's the beauty of, you know, what we do and, and how we are as people because it's per- perception becomes everything and how I perceive information is different to the person that I'm teaching the information to. So, I've, you know, you've got to take that stuff into account when, when programming and finding a way to, to rehabilitate or prehabilitate um, a body and it's that's that's what I find super fascinating about it is that there is no one size fits all and if someone tries to sell you a template bloody program that gets you a handstand in two weeks or you know shred in two weeks I'd probably block them on your social media <laughs> um, th- this uh, goes into an interesting portion that maybe I want to discover a bit more which is like so you you know you you run this facility you have um, from what I can gather, like quite a few members, right. And you run these group classes. Um, so how do you approach sort of like programming for the group then when there are like all these individual trait differences, people perceive maybe the instruction differently. Uh, yeah. What, how, how, how do you, how do you manage that? That's a, it's a really good question. And it's something that I think you, you find as you go along the coaching realm of things. And we're super lucky that we have such a great team at, at Ghetto as well. Like all of our, our coaches are super um, switched on to explaining things differently and approaching them differently with, with individuals as we go through a class. And essentially we have um, class programming. So for example, we run a class called hips and hamstrings. And at the moment, the focus there is on front splits. Mm-hmm. So as we go through the program that we've set out for the eight-week block, um, each person watches a demonstration, understands the mechanical process of what we're trying to achieve um, through verbal and visual um, learning or watching and listening to the coach. Um, And then as we go through for certain people that may not quite have the movement or the mechanics down pack, we'll modify um, to something easier or progress to something harder as well. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a class by class process where, um, our coaches are just equipped with the knowledge that, you know, this is what a step back looks like. And this is what two or three steps back looks like. And this Mm -hmm. is what steps forward look like for those people that are ready to, to progress a little for certain movements as well. Okay. So it's sort of like, there's this, um, group theme, right. That everyone is working on towards, but then you have individualization then, um, after you introduce that to, to certain members, depending on where their level's at. Yep. Exactly. Right. Oh, that's cool. Um, so yeah. How do, how does it sort of flow in ghetto yoga, which I must say has to be one of the the best names of <laughs> any sort of space I've come out through. That's probably why I was like, intrigued to, to follow it a bit more because I love the, the wall mural as well. Um, it, it's really quite striking, but, um, you mentioned like hips and hamstrings, like what are the, yeah. How do you sort of organize your classes? What, um, what do you teach there in ghetto? Yeah. So we, uh, we break it up a little bit. So through the week we have, um, handstand and mobility classes. Um, and there at the moment that's themed around, um, finding a straight line and being able to support that away from a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, vinyasa yoga and mm-hmm. then we have yin yoga. So we have two classes of each of those a week. We have hips and hamstrings, as I mentioned before. Uh, and another mobility class we do is shoulders and spine. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have our version of strength and conditioning, which incorporates a lot of um, functional movement in the sense that we pull movements apart and figure out what first we need to joint prep. And then we work into more of the, you know, uh, single leg squats or pull-ups or um, activities on the, on, the, uh, on the rings. So it's kind of broken up into those, those categories at the moment, um, sprinkled with some uh, BJJ classes on top. Wow, that sounds really quite varied and exciting, actually. Um, with, uh, like you mentioned, the functional sort of movements, um, were, maybe can you explain a little bit more? Do you view like sort of some fundamental movement patterns that you try to teach to everybody? Yeah, definitely. And I think the, um, the thing to remember is, is that basics build better bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like everyone's always trying to, to establish a, a huge squat or a huge deadlift or, you know, whatever it is when it comes to those traditional strength movements like bench press. Um, and it's, it's not something that we go into specifically, but we'll pull apart the mechanics of a single leg squat, like a pistol squat or a dragon squat or, um, there's a number of other sort of variations that, that we introduce to our guys and the importance of understanding how one leg works and a two leg squat works. Um, so a lot of the first 15, 20 minutes of our classes are generally built around um, greasing the groove and the mechanics of the ankle, the knee and the hip, for example, for a squat and building awareness around what it means to, to go through full range of motion, not just partial range of motion. So we like to get our guys um, you know, working through deep squat variations, um, getting from one leg to the other in a deep squat and little bits and pieces like that. So, you know, for the, for the movement that is the squat and it's been performed zillions and zillions of times by, you know, as many people. And it's still something that I see done very incorrectly and inefficiently across a lot of different modalities. And, you know, for our guys, we like everyone to be, you know, moving as safely as humanly possible mm-hmm. because the safer someone moves and, you know, the more resilient their body, the less time they're going to spend out of the gym, which is fantastic for us and themselves. Um, so, yeah, we kind of, we, we try and take a bit of an educational approach to our classes without being, you know, too connected to like the, the, uh, the lesson and, you know, make it as practical as possible. So people are obviously still entertained and, and have the bug to continue on on certain things. Yeah. I guess it's that balance between being like too overbearingly educational and then still going, Hey, like we're going to do this and we're going to enjoy the activity. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to keep the intensity up for most people because they, you know, they want to sweat and, you know, there's that relationship with sweat and working Mm -hmm. hard and, and things like that. So, I mean, as much as we try to buck the trend, um, that is the fitness industry and, and do things, um, you know, that we truly believe do help people long-term. Um, we also have to sort of, um, deliver part of the product as, you know, fun and exciting and, and getting a lot of gains as well, because if someone's not making progress, then, you know, it's not going to be long until they find something else bright and shiny that they'd prefer to do. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, right? And um, to to some end, people are coming in because they kind of they want to work out, right? Like they and they want to feel like they've worked out. Like, and if you give them something a little bit outside that experience, then um, yeah, it it's sort of it, it's not like kind of matching their expectation. I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, our approach is like we try to give you what you need versus what you want. Mm. You know, so we find that happy medium between the two and, and, and keep it sort of trying to, to, um, to give everyone what they want, which is, you know, a, a leaner, stronger physique and uh, like as general pop anyway. Um, and also, you know, we know they need long ranges of motion rather than short ranges of motion. So mm. that, we try and mix it all in. You mentioned before, like something as, um, as foundational as a squat, right? Like a lot of people are performing this, uh, maybe a, a little bit inefficiently in your, in your eyes, that sort of thing. What do you normally try to bring up or like are there fundamental concepts, which you try to explain to them to, um, maybe it's about like the quality of movement or something like that. Um, yeah. What, what do you normally try to introduce to the guys, say if they were new coming into your facility and they're relearning the squat? Yeah, we, we start from the ground up at Ghetto and, you know, the the methodology and the philosophy behind it is, you know, being able to do the things that you could do without any pain or any restriction. And mm-hmm. we, we try to bring people back to that long game approach of like, right, well, you're at this stage right now and how long has it taken you to get there? Um, let's, you know, think about taking that long to get to um, a certain point. And the um like the we saying that we start at the at the bottom the root cause of you know most mechanic imbalances or inefficiencies uh generally comes from the feet at the foot or the feet at themselves Mm. and so we just address one how our foot is working and we've um we've done a bit of work with a local podiatrist um people can check him out he's the barefoot podiatrist on the ground and, you know, he's, he's helped pull apart a lot of things with my mechanical performance just from manipulating activation of the foot arch and, and muscles through, um, mm. you know, everywhere south of the ankle. Mm. And, you know, after we pull that apart with some people and get them to understand the, the fundamentals of activating your foot and the arch, we then talk about ankle range and how far we can dorsi and plantar flex and the importance of that as we go through um, a squat. And then the knee positioning whilst we squat and then obviously the, the impingement um, through the hips as we go up and down through that space. So it's, um, there is a little bit of a process to it, but we've, we've sort of got it equipped at the moment where, you know, a person can come in and it can take us, you know, five minutes to pull it apart and get them to understand how to more efficiently move their body by accessing different sections of the body rather than just, oh yeah, I'm squatting. So my knees bend and my ass gets lower to the squat, to the floor. Mm, I think that's a really nice approach from, from that ground up and, you know, the feet, um, yeah, it's something that I guess non-traditionally, like you, you wouldn't be spending so much attention on it, right? Like it's, when you think of a squat, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to like build my quads. I'm going to build my uh, glute, glute muscles. But, um, yeah, that it makes a lot of sense, right? Like anything that isn't foundationally solid from the very bottom is, is going to sort of come up um up the chain as well right yeah exactly right and i mean there's there's a number of um places now that are sort of promoting a bit of a bit more of a barefoot life and getting better control of your feet and connection to our earth and those types of things but at the and and we're a fully barefoot gym um we do all of our classes with no shoes on and it's it's one of those things that i think um if people were to understand what the foot is supposed to be capable of, then they would be making some changes very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, with like, I guess your, 
the way that you've um, been able to incorporate this content and I, I'm guessing it comes from a lot of your, your, your learning, um, what you've um, been taught before, like, have you gone through like a lot of formal education or is it more informally through other sort of teachers? Maybe, yeah, take us through that part of the journey. Yeah, I'd definitely say I'm a lot more informal um, in my learning process. Um, I mean, I've done a few courses here and there, but it's, it hasn't really paid much dividends in the sense that it's it's not retainable. And I think it's it goes against the, um, like philosophically what I lean towards and that's one size fits all. And like, you know, as you're learning anything that's put into a systemized um, process and gets you a certificate at the end of it doesn't necessarily teach you anything of any worth. Um, so my, my process has been much more towards uh, building relationships with people that are doing the things that I want to learn how to do, you know, whether that's, you know, mobility sense or a strength sense or, you know, a hand balancing sense. I try and seek out the person that I see doing the work and um, putting it into practice and not just on themselves, but the students that they have as well. Mm. Um, because there's a lot of coaches out there that don't do the work on themselves and, you know, even though they may have a big following of some sort, you know, their students may not necessarily be uber successful themselves either. So if someone's not doing the work themselves and the students aren't getting results, I don't think there's a whole lot. Um, it's really going right in that picture. So, you know, I sort of use those two um, things myself to, to seek out people that I want to learn from and, and adopt, you know, some part of their philosophy or training methods to my own practice and teaching. Mm. Yeah, I guess, you know, when you enter into the more informal domain as well, you have to be a lot more self-directed, right? Like you have to know kind of what your learning goals are because sometimes when you sign up for these formal education courses, it's kind of all set already, you know, they've got the curriculum, you just follow that path. Um, you know, when you approach these teachers, you mentioned like it's because they exude certain sort of qualities as well. Like how do you, in this in the sort of conversations that you have with them, like, yeah, how, how do you, how do you approach that? So you, do you normally have it in mind with trying to learn a certain thing so that you can teach that once again? I think the, the, yeah, I mean, in all essence, it's, it's definitely got something to do with me being able to bring something new to not only my own practice, but to our community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as I'm, I generally just, it's, it's something that's been, um, in my view line or viewpoint for a while. Um, and then as I sort of start to follow a certain page or um, a certain person for a little while and understand their branding, their concepts, and, you know, are they getting results consistently across the board to their students also following the same sort of thing? Um, and then once I sort of make that evaluation, then, you know, it's, it's, you know, sort of how we intertwined as well, you know, one person reaches out and then a conversation ensues and, you know, you develop that relationship and um, it's once that relationship's been developed that I'll then approach them about teaching a workshop or um, if they have any content available for myself um, or, you know, getting them on a podcast just like this and, and mm. sort of having a chat and fixing, mixing philosophies and, and principles and stuff like that. And then from there, you know, the education process begins and, um, you know, cause once you've built a relationship with someone, then you can ask them questions and, um, and dive a little deeper into certain things. Whereas I feel like if, you know, someone just reaches out and goes, Oh, Hey, how do I get the middle splits fastest? I'm like, 
mm, YouTube it. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's it's things like that that i think are, are really valuable for our um for, for the movement scene in inverted commas um is building those relationships and and those interwebs of communities yeah I, I love this emphasis right it's like instead of trying to reach out and just like go directly for like hey like how do i get the middle splits right it's like more about okay like how can i build a relationship uh with with another person and then learn from them at a more human level rather than like the transactional, like, okay, get me this X, X for Y, you know, type, type questioning. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And it's, it's one of those things too, that I mean, it'll change from person to person. But for me, that's a really big thing is, is having a relationship with the person that I'm chatting to or having a relationship with the person that I'm learning off, because I think, um, that's, that's where all the gold nuggets will come from is when you're actually listening to someone to learn about them rather than the, just the skill that they've mastered because mm-hmm. the devil is in the detail when it comes to this stuff and, you know, learning from someone and understanding why they pursued it in the first place can also help you sort of navigate through certain periods of time when you are practicing a certain craft. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you as well about, you know, these sort sort of certain goals such as but let's take like the one arm handstand that sort of thing like uh why is it that you pursue like this sort of skill what what keeps you going um because we all know like a skill like that takes a lot of effort a lot of time you know um what 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 keeps you in the (laughs) what keeps you in the game insanity (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah look it's it's i'm obsessive um with anything I do and anything I want, I do, I want to be top tier at. And I started doing handstands and I have no specific goal to do a one arm handstand when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's just, to me, it's exploration and understanding the body and its capabilities. And the harder, the harder something is to attain, I think the more valuable the journey um, of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's there's, there's so many different factors that come into a skill like the one-arm handstand, um, you know, and it's it's one of those things that I think if you're happy to put in the time and discover it, it teaches you not only a lot about your physical capabilities but your mental capabilities as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, having that, that drive and that passion towards just achieving something that really doesn't, like a one-arm handstand does not make you any better of an athlete. There's no transfer over to any other thing other than a one-arm handstand mm-hmm. and it's a it's a craft that's sort of it's engulfed me because there's so many avenues that you can go down but the the thing that keeps me going is just that self-exploration and and being able to achieve things that you know i used to view as impossible and i think that at the end of the day um my main focus as a, as a human and a father and a, a, and a business owner um, is to, to be achieving those things that, you know, some people deem as um, unachievable and, and yeah, just, just understanding what my true potential is and, and trying to go towards those things mm. um, I think is my main driving factor. But yeah, it's definitely a level of insanity as well because some days it does not seem worth it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes you have to question right i think that's the um uh that's the challenge sometimes with like the 
practices like this, like you have these days where you kind of question your, your worth and you're going like, am I just wasting time? Like what, what's it all for? Um, yeah. but, then, <laughs> but then other days where you just make a breakthrough and it might be like totally in, like really small, but it makes it all worth it as well. Cause there's some, some sort of piece of gold nugget. Yeah. And that's it. Like there's, there's magic moments along the way for sure. Like for every, um, moment you want to bang your head against the wall there's also a moment you're jumping in the air and fist pumping because you're just stoked for yourself and like that perseverance and being able to attain you know whatever feat it is that you've just done like it doesn't matter it's yeah like you said it could be super small and like you know the, the tiniest little thing but it makes such a difference to your mentality and and mm. you know how you go forward from there too so for sure yeah, I guess stepping outside of just like the, the physical practice portion, like you mentioned a little bit how it can help you with realizations and like uh, feeling like your, your true potential, that sort of thing. Like what have you noticed in terms of like when you've kind of leaned into these, um, these practices, what you notice around in, uh, like the other areas of, of your life? Um, you know, do you, do you spend a lot of time and focus as well trying – trying to transfer insights from there to other portions? Like what, maybe if you can comment on this, like, you know, using the physical practice to help inform outside of it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's, it all encompasses into one lifestyle for me. Um, you know, everything that we do is built around trying to balance uh, family life versus my own personal training life versus uh, running a business versus being a good friend versus being a good family member, mm. you know, with my external um, friends and family as well. And it's, it's one of those things that I think my practice um, didn't used to have in it was any, any room for, for missing sessions and, and, <laughs> um, and doing, you know, in like doing half sessions because it's more convenient for what's on that day. And, different things like that. So I think the, um, the, the thing that I have learned from spending so much time doing it is that my body doesn't lose um, too much of what it's learned if I have a small break, um, mm-hmm. which I used to always be super scared of going on holidays or going, even going back to my parents' house for a weekend and not training for three or four days. Mm-hmm. used to send me into a bit of a spin because I was like, oh, I've just put in so much consistent work. Mm. Um, you know, but like anything, if your body, if you're learning something for the sake of learning it and putting it into practice, then your body doesn't forget, um, that task very quickly. It's like, you know, the, the cliche of it's like riding a bike. Um, mm. you know, if, if you put in the time to learning something week in, week out, and you generally are super consistent, then, um, your body and your mind remember how to do it at the drop of a hat or at a whim. And, you know, that's, that's been something that I've, I've carried over into, um, you know, other areas of my life. And that's that doing consistent work on the most part is going to carry over to success on the bigger picture. And, you know, whether that's uh, leading by example as a dad or, you know, making sure that I'm up to date on my taxes as a business mm-hmm. owner and, you know, little things like that. It's that if you do the 1% week in, week out, then the big picture takes care of itself because you've, you've managed to be consistent and mindful of everything that is going on at a particular time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you touched a little bit on also sometimes like the dark side of consistency as well, right? Like when you get so locked in and focused that you're like, Oh, if I break out of this, I'm going to lose everything. Um, but then 
that's a nice reminder that even if you, um, you, you, you can trust and back yourself to be like, okay, like if, if I do break outside of that as well, it's not all just going to disappear. Right. It's not all going to be just for, just for nothing. Yeah, exactly, man. And like, I, I've, I've been on holidays where, you know, I've woken up at 4.30 a.m. because I, you know, don't want to bother my wife, but I also want to get my training session in, mm. um, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that I've, I've had a bit of a relationship change with and it's um, you, now I go away and as soon as I go on holidays, I'm like, right, let's, you know, treat myself to some sleep-ins. Let's eat a little bit of naughty food and, you know, I'll, I'll just surf or I'll chop wood or whatever it is that I'm doing you know that's my physical activity for the day and it's um it's a much it's a much nicer experience now going away and not putting so much pressure on myself to to smash out you know 10 rounds of 10 second one arm handstands you know in order to enjoy myself and yeah so it's it's been a it's been a process of building that relationship but the place I'm at with it now is one that um you know, if I could have shortcut it, I would because it, it ate into so much time of relaxing and letting my body get in, you know, the yin to its yang. So, um, you know, when, when I was on the ghetto movement website, um, I noticed that you have these three pillars, right? Which is fun, freedom, and f- focus. Um, and I think these are at least quite different to, you know, any other sort of pillars that I've seen before and sort of like, let's say fitness institutions, that sort of thing. Um, maybe can you explain a little bit more about these, these pillars and like why you chose these three? Yeah, I think, um, and you know, they're in order of what I think they should be in as well. You know, the fun part is like, I, I always look back to when I was a kid and like when I felt like I was running my fastest and doing all my best stuff was when I was just having fun and enjoying doing whatever it was that I was doing. So I try and encompass that into ghetto's philosophy and and programming is that at the end of the day, you want to have more fun than not having fun. You know what I mean? Mm. And so that's, um, that's, that's one that we hold pretty, pretty high at the top of our, um, our priorities when we are doing certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, And freedom next freedom is um, a representation of, of how we are as people, Um, you know, and physically, having freedom to move. I think a lot of people would have that on top of their goals list and, um, you know, freedom to do something pain-free and freedom to be able to not think about the repercussions of, Oh shit, if I do this now, I'm going to be sore for days or, Mm. you know, what if I hurt my back lifting up the kids or, you know, what if I hurt my shoulder throwing the ball? Um, you know, it's freedom to, to act and perform, uh, with no restriction and, and, and no sort of uh, hiding away from things that make us feel insecure. Mm. Um, and, you know, freedom, the freedom that that then gives you creatively and, and mentally as well. You know, if you're, if you're not constantly battling pain and those things, then the freedom for your mind to explore other things within the body and, and you know, deepen an education in, in anything that you, you feel because, you know, you don't feel restricted mentally either. So mm. that's, um, that's that's a big part of our philosophy and, and training mm-hmm. and the end part is focus um and I, we sort of we put this at the bottom or um you know last because it is important but i think the the 
the ease of focus comes with the freedom of moving and the freedom of having fun as well. I think it's much easier to focus on things that are enjoyable than it is that are tedious. Hmm. So bringing in a better focus to our task and understanding what it is that we're trying to achieve, you know, setting goals and setting routines and stuff around something that we want to attain um, is a, is a really good way to manifest and, and create those things for yourself. So bringing about a, a higher focus for the things that it is that we, the things that um, we do want to achieve and that we do want to attain in our lives, not just physically, but you know, mentally and emotionally as well. Mm. Yeah. I think it's almost like this balance between, between this, this fun and focus, there's this nice little interplay there as well. Right. Because if you, if it's just like, let's have fun, you know, it kind of feels like a bit unstructured and maybe not leading anywhere, but maybe with that focus element um, is where it's like, okay, like we're here, but we're still here to work. You know, we're still working towards something. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, it's, it's when you can help someone develop that relationship with training and a physical and mental practice that the magic does truly start to happen because whilst you're having fun, your motivation levels are going to be super high. Mm-hmm. And if, you're, if you can remain focused during that time, then you're also going to get some great gains, which is, again, going to keep your motivation levels super high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, you, when you're working in that realm of, of high-functioning self, then you know the momentum's unstoppable and you can you can achieve whatever it is that you set out to achieve in any time period that you see fit Mm -hmm. um and in sort of running uh ghetto and setting it all up um maybe yeah how's that process been from you know from what it sounded like you know you were just running really small things beforehand. And now when I log onto that page, it it looks like this huge sort of facility. What's, what's been like the, the hardest part in setting this all up? Have you made any mistakes? Yeah, I could write a thesis on the mistakes I've made as a business owner. (laughs) Um, I mean, and the thing that I would say to most people that wanted to do something like this or, um, you know, a business of any sort really is, you don't know what you don't know and you should ask for more help. Mm. Um, you know, I had a conversation with my wife um, about eight or nine months ago and, you know, the conversation was really confronting for me, but, you know, we have a young family and um, we've sort of got to prioritize things other than the business. And for so long, the business was, you know, my passion project and, um, mm-hmm. It, it didn't matter too much of the success or failure or the, the gravity of that success or failure. Um, and, you know, then nine months ago we had a conversation, and, um, you know, Emma asked me, how long do we do this for? Like, you know, some weeks are fantastic, but other weeks we're like, Oh, are we going to be able to afford our mortgage or, you know, whatever it else is that's mm-hmm. coming up. And I sort of said then, um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll get help and we'll do what we can to, to pull it back together and, and see what happens. And, you know, I reached out to a business coach and the first um, thing he did, you know, which I'd, I'd had business coaches before and, um, you know, they worked on a lot of uh, advertising and marketing and, and different things to do with those two sort of themes of bringing people into the gym. But no one had ever asked to see my P&L or my profit and loss statements or 
um, my tax side of things or um, was I up to date on super or, you know, what am I paying myself? What's the wage and all these mm. types of things. And the biggest mistake that I made was not getting help earlier because I had no idea what a, what a P&L was at that stage. Mm. Um, and, you know, this is only nine months ago, so it's, it's super recent. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the biggest change for our business came when I started running it like a business instead mm. of, you know, just, you know, taking money for a service that, you know, I was getting good at teaching. Mm. And, you know, in its, it, the, the simplicity of that was, you know, the simplicity of why it failed or why it, why it was failing um, was because I didn't give, you know, the thought and um, the necessity to understanding how a business should be operating like I do with how a body should be performing and um, operating. Mm. Um, I just kind of hoped for the best and, and, you know, every time tax time came up, I'd, you know, sort of close my eyes and cross my fingers and hope that it was all going to be okay. And, and now it's one of those things that if you ask me what it's worth when a person comes in the door and says, hey, I want to start ghetto movement, I, you know, I know the process of how they come in and I know the process of what that conversation is worth and, you know, what this person can bring to the community versus what we can do for them. And, you know, there's sort of a list of that, that goes up about, you know, the, the runnings of a business then and what one person um, means to the business as a whole and what, so yeah, the value of that conversation is um, becomes relatively important when you think about it like that rather mm. than just like, well, yeah, we can, we can help you do the things that are going to make you look good on Instagram. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's much deeper than that now. And it's something I think has, has brought the community a little closer together because it's now, um, now there is more of an importance on, on their role within the community, not just my role as a coach, teacher or, or owner. Mm. It sounds like there was almost like this graduation from like a, an overgrown passion project into you facing it, it and going, okay, like, no, this is like a real business, a real thing. And you know, I'm really going to grow this thing. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, it's, it's something that I've always like, one of my shortcomings has always been, um, lack of care when it comes to financials and you know this was no different and it's very much a graduation from from boy to man in the sense that you know it's it's much less about hey look at me look at me and it's more about you know let's build something that's worth um that's worth building and you know that may lead, lead to leaving behind some kind of legacy when when it all goes um mm. further forward into the future now a lot of people mentioned, you know, this word community, uh, you know, like, oh, we're a community around here, tight-knit group, that sort of thing. I guess, yeah, what, what do you do at Ghetto Movement that, that brings this feel or, or makes it real into, you know, this, into an actual community? That's a good question. And it's, it's, um, it's something that we do hold very dearly at Ghetto. Um, and it's, it's something that I think comes from, you know, the, the top of things when, you know, my wife and I who run the business, we know every single person's name, nickname, what they do, um, you know, their family sitch and all those kinds of things. We go out of our way to make sure that everyone feels the love on that level. And it's an expectation of our teachers and staff that they do the same thing. Um, when it comes to that, you know, we stop, we have the conversations, even though it may mean that we're 10 or 15 minutes late home to get to dinner or, or those kinds of things, because, mm. 
you know, people people will reach out to a person that um, that they trust and that they can respect and those kinds of things. So we try not to um, to take advantage of that. We try and make sure every person that walks in the door feels the love that you know they need to feel in order to to do well in our in our space. Mm. And you know, feeling feeling a part of a community, I think, is generally what people. Um, are constantly looking for and you know they may have a few different communities that are a part of but that feeling of belonging and that feeling of worth um, play a big role in someone's um, overall happiness and, and um, good mental health so it's something we really try and um, make sure that we're on top of is making sure that the community is updated and, and sort of always um, getting the love that they need. Mm. It, it sounds like it goes back to that importance of that relationships aspect. Um, not only like oh, you come here for the practice and the physical practice, but outside of that as well, we're gro- growing together as, as people to, together, getting to know each other. Uh, similar to like how you were saying you were, um, hey, when you reach out to other people to try and learn off, um, you know, it starts with this relationship piece and then all the other stuff grows from, from that core. Yeah, exactly right. And it's no different from me reaching out to, like you said, a mentor as it is for me having a conversation with a first time student. You know, I, I want to understand why they've walked in the door and the journey that they've had so far so I can, you know, get a better understanding of, of what training means to them and what their goals mean to them as they move forward and progress from spot to spot. So it's, um, it's much the same process when I look for mentors of my own as to when you know, someone comes in and I'm on the other side of that and I can offer some advice or offer um, or point them in the right direction to, to get what it is that they've, they've come in the door for. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, I guess for where you see like your work through, through ghetto and maybe like personal practice as well, like what are you working on into this uh, near future? Um, that's a good one. Uh, short term, um, I'd like to see the business, um, just sort of keep consistent over the next couple of months coming out of COVID. I think it's a really tricky time, Mm. um, for facilities opening back up and, and for us, it's not, it's trying to not bite off more than we can chew initially, um, and, and just go back in slowly. So we're really trying to take our time and, you know, still deliver an A grade product, but, you know, make sure that we keep keep our heads on you know with everything that's happening in the moment so business wise i think just slow and steady for the next three to six months mm-hmm. um and then hopefully we can utilize the groundwork and and keep steadily growing and, and build our community bigger and better for um for next year and i think personally um i've got a, another child coming in um what are we four weeks away now so we've got number two oh, wow. um, yeah it's exciting times man <laughs> um so in between now and then physically um I, w- I really want to try and knuckle down on some training and i want to get super consistent on my handstand push-ups and if i'm lucky maybe develop a 90 degree push-up mm-hmm. um a little bit of planche magic wouldn't go astray and if i could hit five stalls, i'd be like an amp um it's been eluding me for a little while but Mm -hmm. um yeah if i can stay consistent for the next four weeks a few of those might get ticked off but Mm -hmm. i mean after after um our number two is born 
Um, I'll probably have a little bit of time off training because I've been going quite gung ho for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, um, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll reset afterwards and, and so slowly start to build everything back up again. So I'm, um, I'm quietly looking forward to a little bit of a rest and, and, um, and enjoying some time at home with the fam and, and seeing how the, uh, the, the priorities change again. Um, mm. once, once we've got two of them running around, so it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting time. So stay tuned. Yeah. Well, really, yeah, personally excited for you and, and congratulations on that. And then, um, yeah, it definitely does, I guess, you know, these, these things happen, switches all the priorities around, um, and you just have to make it work, right? Like it's the, it's the new challenge, um, that will probably deliver other sort of new insights, learnings into your life. Yeah, exactly right. And it's, it's one of those things that um, I've got a good relationship with my life because, you know, everything that I currently have, I've, I've asked for at one point or another. So it's, um, it's really nice to, to reflect on that and, and be happy with whatever challenge comes because essentially it's, it's what, I've, what I've been looking for for a long period of time. So. Awesome. Well, well, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you, you on. Um, I guess, you know, uh, do you have any fu- sort of final words or is there any sort of messages that you'd like to share out to the people listening? Yeah, for sure. I think um, the first thing that I'm, I'm big on is ask for help, ask more questions and, you know, what you don't know, you're not going to know unless you do ask um, someone that's in a position to, to give you the, the answers that you're after. And um, I think that's a really, really important one. And the second one is it's, it's just building habits. The, the, you know, all the secrets in the world are around, uh, around success are just making sure that you understand what you're doing and, and you, you do the 1% things that will lead you to whether it's success in training or whether it's success in your career. It's, it's building a habit pattern that will see you continuously doing the 1% things um, moving forward. It's not the big showy stuff that people think it is. It's, it's the 1% turning up day in, day out to, to make things happen. Mm, it definitely is isn't it i think yeah it's like those small steps and then sometimes it accumulates into what seems like a big step right but it's always all that work that you've put in beforehand that that makes that moment happen yeah exactly right mm. exactly right so. awesome well it's been a pleasure having you um you on uh for anyone listening and unfamiliar and I say they wanted to reach out and get in touch. Um, what are the best sort of contact details? Um, Instagram, we are Ghetto Movements. Um, and otherwise, you can just hit me at info at ghettomovement.com. Shoot me an email and we can, uh, yeah, we can get vibing. Awesome. Well, um, thanks, Will. Thanks for your time. Um, it was... Thanks so much for having me on. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks. And I'll end the podcast here. Awesome. That's a wrap. That's episode 14. Thanks so much to Will for joining us on that chat. Hope you enjoyed that one, guys. I've got more episodes coming your way. Really special guest again, as always, for the next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope if you enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, share it with a friend. Really helps me share and get the podcast out there. So if you have any questions, please always feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Fayonp, that's at P-H-A-O-N-P, and shoot me a message. 
Love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.